Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. Well, HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. So start saving with knowing where to look. Visit HealthLock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I am proud of our entire team in the L.A. County District Attorney's Office. We cannot prosecute our way out of social inequalities, income inequalities, the unhoused, the desperation that we have. The infamous clip of L.A. County D.A. George Gascon redefining the job of district attorney in a bizarre and strange way, a clip that struck us the day he uttered those words, and we played it many times. Uh, He's revealed himself to be a radical uh, anti-law enforcement activist uh, in a way that people hadn't exactly anticipated, although he'd uh, brought his record from Northern California to Southern California, and it was ignored, unfortunately. If you love the great cities of the blue west coast of America, as Jack and I do, It's just a shame to see the way they've degenerated. Um, And George Gascon has been a a leading force in letting that happen, at least in L.A. Now, having said that, uh, we're welcoming to the Armstrong and Getty Show John Hatami, who is an American prosecutor serving as deputy district attorney in the complex child abuse unit in the office of the L.A. County District Attorney. He's been a prosecutor for 16 years, and he, though working there, has come out forcefully against Mr. Gascon and his policies. John, welcome. How are you? Good, good. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. 
Oh, it, it's our pleasure. You know, it's funny because we will occasionally rail against what's going on in L.A. and uh, and San Francisco and Sacramento and Portland and Seattle. And, and people say, well, if you don't like it, why don't you leave? No, that's the point. We love it. We love the West Coast. We love the cities of the West Coast. We don't want to see them die. So anyway, having said that, what has it been like working there at the L.A. County District Attorney's Office under Gascon? Uh, what's the reality as opposed to what Mr. Gascon's tried to pitch to the media and the folks in the public? Yeah, I think the first thing you said, though, is, is, is right on, is that we're not leaving. Like, I'm not leaving. I'm raising my children here. My wife works here. This is my home. And so we have so many people that I think are moving uh, I think people need to stay in Los Angeles, stay in San Francisco, stay in California and fight, um, fight to, to, to make our community better and safer. And so they want us to leave. They want so many good people to leave. And, you know, uh, I was in the infantry um, before I, I went to college, and uh, we learned that well, we run towards the battle, not away from it. And so I'm not leaving, and I, I hope most people in California don't leave and stay uh, and fight. As far as our office goes, it's, it's really difficult. Um, almost 98% of the deputy district attorneys in the office voted to support the recall of George Gascon. He has about five people in the entire office of thousands that actually support him. Um, his office is completely bare. Um, he has no pictures in there. He's been there 18 months. Um, it looks like he just, you know, is ready to, to, to get out of there as quick as he can. Um, I haven't met him in 18 months. That, that, that's technically my boss. He's never come up to my office. He's never talked to me. He's never said hi. He's never asked me any questions. I'm one of the leading child abuse prosecutors uh, in Los Angeles, and I've never talked to the district attorney in, in a total of 18 months. Um, he doesn't like any of us. Uh, he doesn't believe that we do a good job. Um, he's only hired public defenders in the office. Um, he puts us down. The people that he's hired have put us down. Uh, he has about 10 DAs who are suing him. Um, uh, there's so many people who have filed grievances against him. Um, it's pretty much uh, a revolt where, you know, where the, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and, and I know you'll keep this gentlemanly and professional, but what's the story with the guy? Is he just a complete radical who believes the prisons should be empty and the only reason people commit crimes is because the world has been uh, mean to them, or, or what? I, I think you're right in some aspects. First off, I think people need to realize he's not a good person. Um, he's a narcissist. He only cares about himself. He's surrounded himself with yes people. Um, he doesn't collaborate with anybody. He doesn't want to hear any different opinions. Um, he just pretty much cares about himself, and he believes that he's right and everybody else is wrong. Um, I think that George Soros and a large group of people gave him money, and now they're beholden. Uh, I mean, now he's beholden to them, and so he's got to do what they want him to do. And, you know, he believes in defunding the police. He believes in abolishing prisons. He believes the real victims are murderers and rapists. He doesn't believe that uh, victims are actually people who are hurt or killed. Um, he doesn't so people, believe in our... so, so people who are not familiar with this, um, I hate to say you all, uh, but the department is turning loose dangerous offenders regularly, correct, in the way that hasn't been done in the past? 
Very true. Very true. Um, they're, they're releasing a lot of individuals from prison uh, based on realignment, uh, based on a, a number of, of uh, legislative um, policies and things that they've had people vote for. Uh, uh, and so we have a large amount of dangerous individuals being released. George Gascon's made it worse. Um, he doesn't allow prosecutors to go to parole hearings. So we're the only county in the entire state, the only county that doesn't send prosecutors to parole hearings. So family members um, have to go to parole hearings by themselves and they have to face the murderer of their son or daughter uh, or, or loved one. And they've been abandoned by George Gascon. And, and George is doing that because he wants people released. Uh, he believes that the CDCR knows better than all of us. And he thinks they're smarter than all of us, which they're not. Um, and so we have a large group of violent individuals uh, being released. Um, and they're now hurting other people. Um, and, and it's just, it's a, it's a tragedy. Uh, we even, 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 even in our county, just recently, George Gascon gave um, a, an individual with a very long record uh, over 10 to 15 years with a strike. Uh, he struck the strike just because it's his blanket policy. And then he gave this gang member who had a gun uh, probation. And less than a year later, he killed uh, two police officers, two innocent police officers who were fathers, who were husbands uh, in El Monte. Well, and I think it's worth pointing out that uh, though uh, activists like Escon would portray this as somehow uh, a racial deal or or trying to end white supremacy or something like that. I know there are so many black victims of crime, Hispanic victims of crime that are beside themselves with uh, anger at Gascon's policy because they're the ones being hurt. Yeah, you know, my community, um, the community community of color, um, we many of us are, are victimized the most by these policies. Uh, people don't realize that um, so many individuals in my community are, are being victimized um, and, and, and are being abandoned by George Gascon. I'm going to tell you something. I hope your listeners are listening to this. Uh, I'm very much into public safety and making sure our community is safe, but I also believe that we do need to fix the system and look at the system and, and implement reforms um, that benefit all of us. But we should never sacrifice public safety. My community is a very pro-family community. Uh, my community is a very uh, pro-public safety community, and, and we believe in, in following the law and order and protecting children and protecting families. We also want our, our, our community uh, to be treated equally. We also want it to be treated fairly. But that doesn't mean we don't want public safety. That doesn't mean we don't want the district attorney to prosecute crime. That doesn't mean we don't want the district attorney to follow the law. That doesn't mean we don't want the district attorney to make sure that we're safe. George Gascon is against public safety. He's against following the law. He only wants to follow his own political ideology. And, you know, there is no reforms here. Releasing bad criminals to hurt other people, that is not a reform. That is not progress. That's not helping anybody. It's only hurting our communities. And that's really all George Gascon did when he came into office. He instituted blanket policies that failed to follow the law, evidence, or public safety. And for 18 months, he's endangered everybody here. Our homicide rates at a 15-year high. Um, our our gun violence rate is over 64% higher than it was when we first came here. Um, almost all of our our crimes uh, have increased, including grand theft auto, uh, burglary. We have smash and grab robberies. We have follow home robberies. It, it it really has become a very lawless place here in Los Angeles. And most communities of color, 
my communities are not for that. We're for protecting families and for protecting children. Of course, John Hatami's on the line. John's a deputy at the L.A. District uh, County District Attorney's Office. He's uh, trying to uh, aid in getting his boss, George Gascon, recalled. And, John, before we let you go, I just want to say on behalf of um, you know citizens and parents and anybody with a living soul that you and the folks who deal with child abuse cases, um, I know not, uh, enough about this to know what difficult work this is. Uh, thank you for the sacrifices you make in protecting kids, because that's rough. It's, you know, I hope people also are listening to the fact that I've been doing this for 16 years. For the last 10 years, I've handled child physical and sexual abuse cases. I've handled thousands of these cases, and children are our most vulnerable, and we have an obligation to protect them. When George Gascon came into office, he told me and everybody else in the office, if you torture and murder a child, we're not going to charge the special circumstance, no matter what the evidence is. If you break a child's ribs or break a child's arm, we're not going to charge the great bodily injury allegation, no matter how serious that is. If you commit felony child abuse or domestic violence, we're going to give that person zero bail. I want everybody to think about those things because these are vulnerable victims. George Gascon implemented these policies on day one. Somebody who is a DA for eight years in San Francisco and a police officer for 30 years. What does that tell you? George Gascon is not a good person. He knew better, and he implemented these policies, and he endangered all of our children, and and he deserves to be recalled and kicked out of office. John Hatami, John, this is troubling stuff indeed, but uh, so glad you you gave us a couple minutes to talk. Uh, Great to talk to you, and keep fighting the good fight, okay? Thank you so much. All right, no, it's our pleasure, or our honor, anyway. Uh, Jack's going to join us for a quick call-in. He's uh, on vacation, I guess you could say, but... uh, Speaking of a sense of duty, he's going to join us at least for a couple of minutes. Next, stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm sorry, our conversation with John Hatani from the L.A. DA's office went so long, we're having having to bump the co-host of the show, Jack Armstrong, uh, out of time. Maybe he can come back again another time. You know what? It's funny. That was going to be my jokey introduction to Jack, and then, as fate would have it, his line dropped. You kidding me? Is there some sort of nationwide uh, cell phone outage? Solar flares or something like that? That's weird. Okay, there he is. All right, he's unbumped. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the co-host, Jack Armstrong. Jack, how are you? I'm fantastic. I'm on vacation, you don't you know. So why are you calling? I mean, it's nice, but uh, you don't got to. Uh, that's a pretty good question. Now that I think about it. I don't know. Your sense of beautiful. duty, D-U-T-Y? Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm in the beautiful mountains of Arizona, which often when I mention to people, people say there are mountains in Arizona. I didn't know that until my parents moved here years ago, 21 years ago. But yes, there are mountains. I'm at 7,000 feet. It was uh, very, very cold last night. It will be 65 today, and uh, that's summertime uh, up here in the mountains of Arizona, where my parents live. That's a beautiful part of the world. It really is. Yeah, and, and relatively unknown to people other than Arizonans. Um, uh, so what's the big story today? 
Well, you know, the follow-up on the Supreme Court cases, uh, obviously, had a great conversation with Adam White from uh, the Scalia Law School at George Mason University about this big EPA case that's coming up. Uh, But we just got uh, off the phone with one of the assistant uh, DAs at the L.A. uh, District Attorney's Office, who is part of the 98% of them that want to get rid of the boss, George Gascon. And, man, he was eloquent, passionate, and scathing. That on the podcast, Armstrong and Getty on demand. Yeah, I would. I would suggest you do. Oh, actually, did you? Did you see? I hope not. Uh, did you see Kamala Harris interviewed by Dana Bash on CNN at all yesterday? Yeah, I uh, I saw the highlights. Yeah, yeah, it was one of the most amazing nothing burgers ever. I mean, she was teed up to just execute talking points or fake outrage or something and she just couldn't deliver anything it was so odd about the uh, the yeah. abortion ruling the roe v wade overturning right yeah i saw that and i saw uh, some punditry around that like how elizabeth warren would have handled it if you'd asked her and uh, you know talked about um, uh, you know the right-wing fascist republican takeover and all these different things that kamala harris just couldn't spit out of her mouth for some reason no, she did spit this out. This is worth playing, and we'll we'll touch on it again next hour. Michael, give us 32. This is maybe the highlight of the highlights. Um, you know, I thought about it as, you know, a parent. We have two children who are in their 20s, a son and a daughter. I thought about it as a godparent of teenagers. I thought of it as an aunt of, of, of preschool children. And a woman yourself. And a woman myself. And the daughter of a woman. And a granddaughter of a woman. Wow. So Dana Bash has to remind her she's a woman. Then she mentions, and, and we did a poll of listeners, who here is a daughter of a woman among the gals? Who's a granddaughter of a woman? Um, and she never gets to, I thought about it as this. I thought about it. Well, what do you think about it? Right. So, But why? to me is the why. Why do you think that is? I mean, why, why do you think she can't do that? I just think she's a she's not very good at it. I almost called her a dope. I, I know some wonderful people who are not glib. They're better at other things, whether it's science or math or accounting or whatever. Uh, they're not terribly glib. But I haven't figured out what she's good at. Other other than <laughs> ask, yes, ask yes, Brown. I know, I know, Willie <laughs> Willie Brown. Oh, jeez, I shouldn't have said that. Can no. you write? Uh, Michael, will you take that out of the podcast? I don't want that. All that. right, I, I will. Yeah. I don't want that in for posterity, because that was misogynist. Um, in fact, was it's it? an ugly side of me that I don't like to see. Yeah, well. So. <laughs> but, yeah, what is she good at? That's a very good question. Well, I tell you what, her. I believe this is the beginning of the end of her future. I mean, as... Uh, as several people have made clear, Democratic activists were absolutely on the edge of their seat waiting for the highest elected woman in the nation's history to absolutely bring the thunder. And and her thunder was, I'm the daughter of a woman. I'm the granddaughter of a woman. I'll tell you this. If you think that, that they're not having this same conversation in the highest circles of the Democratic Party on the day that Biden's approval rating goes under 40 percent in the real clear politics average, the day after Kamala Harris gives that answer. I guarantee you they're talking about this at the highest levels. No kidding. We're out of time. Please do stay tuned. A lot of good stuff, including more of the Kamala Harris on the way. If you can't stick around, grab the podcast. Armstrong, you get it on demand. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. We are lucky to be sitting with Alan and Amy Matthews in the flesh, William, Rusty Russ, and Betsy Randall. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Yes. When those legends get here, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> you're here. You're here already. No. no we didn't either when we were watching yeah, this that's day. The day. That's we the didn't problem. realize it until we uh, started getting into seasons three and four, and now we're like, oh, my God. You were both so good on the show, and we missed it because we were we young. We were kids and, and so self-involved. Egomaniacs yeah. and didn't realize <laughs> well, no, how great you were. We've talked about it. I think you just assumed everybody was as good as them. And, right. and then right. you get into right. as you grow up and you work with other actors, you realize how oh. lucky we were yeah. to have you guys. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, this is long overdue. It's been too long a time since we talked to Sarah Westwood, who is an investigative reporter with the Washington Examiner, previously White House reporter for CNN. Uh, Sarah Westwood, how are you? 
I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's it's our pleasure. Uh, it's great to talk to you. I can't even remember the, the first time we talked to you, but it was years and years and years ago, uh, and we're all still employed, so hooray for us. Um, <laughs> I know you've been writing about a bunch of different things uh, lately, and I'm not sure you have anything on this, but uh, this surprise January 6th added hearing today, do we know anything about what's going on? We know that there is a witness today who's supposed to testify that the committee has been touting who is a former aide to former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. You know, I think it's a really interesting choice for the January 6th committee to try to interject themselves back into the conversation right now when Democrats are sort of successfully getting their base focused on something, you know, tangible and real and potentially helpful to them in the midterms for the first time in a while, the abortion rights issue. And so I can't imagine that a lot of national Democrats or Democratic strategists are necessarily excited about the fact that the January 6th committee wants to step on that enthusiasm for Democratic voters and turn the conversation back to something that it's pretty evident the American people just don't care about all that much. Right. You know, it's funny that hadn't occurred to me, but boy, you want to talk about stepping on your own message, which was a staple of the Trump administration. Yeah, this seems like odd timing. You know, speaking of which, uh, the Biden administration's approval ratings looking pretty weak. Kamala Harris's approval ratings not so good, and she I don't, to my mind, botched the big CNN interview yesterday. Um, and it looked like the Democrats were heading, heading for real shellacking uh, in the midterms. Does it feel to you like the Supreme Court decision and this, uh, the fervor that's arisen from it, does it feel like it might last? Because it, it's here today, gone today these days. Yeah, I think that's the problem for Democrats. If you're looking at it from their perspective, you know, what the Dobbs decision would do in theory is make it more likely that disillusioned democratic voters will be fired up enough to go to the polls you know this this decision didn't really change anyone's mind if you were pro-abortion before it you're pro-abortion after it you know but the point is that it could have helped boost turnout but november is sort of a political lifetime away from now and if things keep getting worse economically uh then i don't know that this enthusiasm can last all the way until November, and um, Democrats are going to have a hard time sustaining that. Where it may make the difference in November is on those for, way further down, down ballot races, like the state legislature seats, perhaps in the governor's races, where it's actually a relevant question uh, what state level lawmakers might do with regards to ab- abortion. But in terms of d- determining the control of Congress, it's hard to see this making a lasting impact all the way until the fall. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the state races because I think we're going to see a real move toward reasonableness and reasonableness and moderation in state abortion laws. Uh, it's easy to pass a trigger law that bans abortion completely when it's a, essentially a moot point or you expect it to be a moot point. But now that it matters, I, I wonder whether we're not going to see, like I say, a little more moderation. But on the federal level, is anybody talking seriously about some sort of move by Congress to uh, codify the protections of Roe v. Wade in federal legislation? It's pretty telling that they're not having serious conversations about that, right? And the reason is... I think there's a recognition that the votes just aren't there. I mean, for all the the amount that the Democratic Party likes to tout polling that shows that most Americans support abortion access, the Democratic Party's position on abortion is really honestly out of step with most Americans because 
Most Americans also support common sense restrictions on abortion, like the type in the Mississippi law that was the underlying question of Roe, whether Mississippi had the right to impose a 15-week ban. Congress has never had enough support from you know its constituents to pass something that codified abortion protections all the way up to 24 weeks, which is essentially the line that Roe v. Wade drew. And so because the popular support isn't there, uh, lawmakers aren't moving to do something they know is unpopular right before they're, they're trying to ask voters to let them keep their jobs. So, no, I don't think there's a serious conversation in Washington about passing legislation at the federal level, and that's really telling. That's a great point. Sarah Westwood, investigative reporter for the Washington Examiner, is on the line. I realize I'm kind of hopping from topic to topic, but um, I, I have said, and this is not like some sort of cynical look at me, the, the clever talk show host guy. This is my sincere belief. There is zero chance Joseph R. Biden runs for president again. And there is nearly zero, a vanishingly small chance that the Democratic Party will put its, uh, you know, White House fate in the hands of Kamala Harris, partly because as Californians, we've been following her for a long time. She's not impressive, not even a little impressive behind the scenes. I, I know people are still saying if Joe Biden runs and I expect him to, I'll support him. But behind the scenes, what are you hearing? Well, I think that it's, you know, like you said, a widely acknowledged fact, an open secret. I don't secrets possibly too strong a word. It's just sort of something that's uh, a foregone conclusion that he won't seek reelection in Washington. But the problem is that no one with a position of authority in the Democratic Party can say that because as soon as they do, then Joe Biden becomes a lame duck president whose political capital is even weaker than it already is, right? So they can't do that or else they'll neuter him for the rest of his presidency, and it'll be open season for ambitious Democrats who want to make a national run. And you are already seeing some of Democrats position themselves to try to have that national profile. I know, you know, for example, the governor of Illinois, J.B. Pritzker, has been someone who's there's been rumblings about sort of positioning himself to try to be a national figure, um, Obviously, there's a number of Democratic senators who would love to get their hat in the ring and are quietly positioning themselves. But that process would stop being quiet if Biden gave any indication that he wasn't going to run. And that would put an uncomfortable spotlight on Kamala Harris for the remaining two years of his term. And that's not something that the administration wants either, because anytime she steps in the spotlight, it doesn't go well. You know, it seems so weird, though, to those of us who aren't steeped in the D.C. culture. If everybody knows it, what's so magical about saying it out loud? I I guess I get it, but it just seems kind of weird. Right. I mean, I think it's it's perception is everything. Right. And so the Biden administration is still trying to maintain this perception, um, you know, that Biden still has some juice left in him. And, and, you know, to the extent that there are things that he might be able to uh, put together coalitions for in Congress were, you know, different kinds of um, versions of Build Back Better, for example. Talks are still going on between Schumer and Manchin. They're not necessarily expected to bear fruit. But the point is that Biden would have a hard time um, being involved in the last remaining legislative battles of his um, of his presidency. And also there's a really big foreign policy implications if, if it were to be acknowledged that he were, wasn't going to run. He wouldn't be able to represent the U.S. as any kind of figure of authority if it was clear that he was leaving in two years. So that would weaken him on the national stage as well.
Hey, we're going to have a link to your recent piece at armstrongandgetty.com. It's about uh, Biden touts falling deficits while Congress prepares more spending uh, at a time of frightening, frightening inflation. What's going on there? Yeah, I think it's just it's sort of a sign that the White House is aware of how politically toxic Biden's economic agenda has been, that Biden is spending a lot of time in public bragging about the fact that deficits are technically going down on his watch. The problem with that argument is that the deficits are going down for reasons that have very little to do with him, about the fact that a lot of the stimulus programs that were enacted under both Trump and Biden to get through the pandemic are coming to an end. So spending is coming off the books, which which gives the appearance of lowering the deficit, but it's not being lowered by anywhere near what analysts predicted it would at the end of the Trump administration, meaning that if Trump had remained in office and stayed the course that he was on, deficits would have fallen by significantly more than they are under Biden. So it's trying to give the illusion that his stewardship of the economy has been responsible when it's pretty clear by any indication, every time Americans go to fill up their cars or go to the grocery stores, they can see that that's not true. And Biden really runs the risk of, of this message backfiring. He's trying to tell Americans not to believe their eyes. Everything's fine with the economy. Well, folks, if you're cynical about the media, uh, you need to follow and read Sarah Westwood, investigative reporter with the Washington Examiner. Sarah, you're one of the really, really good ones. It's great to talk to you again. Thanks for the time. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Absolutely. So some of the viciousness unleashed on Clarence Thomas in the wake of the Dobbs decision, uh, often racial nastiness, is unbelievable. And the fact that it's being given a pass is just an indication of the flaming, unforgivable hypocrisy of the woke crowd. That is coming up. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only, wait for it, Boy Meets World House. Take a listen. We are lucky to be sitting with Alan and Amy Matthews in the flesh, William, Rusty Russ, and Betsy Randall. Yay! Thank you. Thank you. Yes. When those legends get here, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> you're here. You're here already. 
Uh, uh, we didn't either when we were watching yeah, this. That's 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 we didn't the realize it until we uh, oh. started getting into seasons three and four, and now we're like, oh my god! We were both so good on the show, and we missed it because we were we young, were kids, and, and so self-involved, egomaniacs, yeah. and <laughs> didn't realize well, no, how great you were. We've talked about it. I think you just assumed everybody was as good as them, and, right. and then right. you get into right. as you grow up and you work with other actors, you realize how oh. lucky we were yeah. to have you guys. This has been brought to you by the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Now we know what happened with the Supreme Court yesterday. And if you read Clarence Thomas' concurrence, he said, thank you, Clarence Thomas. We were not in the Constitution either. Well, we were not even people he is in saying the Constitution. Nothing is precedent anymore. Well, you better but hope Clarence, that they don't come for you, Clarence, and say you should not be married to your wife, oh. who happens to be white, because they will move back. And you better hope that, that nobody says, you know, well, you're not in the Constitution. You're back to being a quarter we're of back a person. Because that's not going to work either. Well, that's angry ignoramuses yelling about things they know nothing about. The first being Mayor Lori Lightfoot of Chicago yelling F. Clarence Thomas at a big rally. Unbelievable. Then Whoopi Goldberg fundamentally understanding the decision. Uh, There is some truth to what uh, she's saying about Clarence Thomas and uh, uh, re-examining certain cases, but uh, the 14th Amendment, blah, 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 substantive due process. Uh, But... uh, He's on an island. No, no of the other justices agree with him on reconsidering those those cases. So, anyway, that was one example of the anti Clarence Thomas just viciousness. Hillary Clinton, who apparently is still on the scene and still speaking, had this to say: "I went to law school with him. Mm-hmm. He's been a, a person of grievance for as long as I've known him. Resentment, grievance, anger." And he has signaled uh, in the past to lower courts, to state legislatures, find cases, pass laws, get them up. I may not win the first, the second, or the third time, but we're going to keep at it. So you're saying people pay attention to yes, this? Yes, the people he is speaking to, which are the you know, right-wing, very conservative judges and justices and state legislatures, and the thing that uh, is, well, there's so many things about it that are deeply distressing, but women are going to die, Gail. Women will die. So a badly decided, poor precedent, even according to supporters of abortion rights, should stay forever, I guess. That whole idea of he's a man of anger, of, of resentment, well, he grew up, went to law school, was an attorney, was a judge, 
during a multi-decade period when the court, the Supreme Court was way left, super activist, and really left. And so he thought that wasn't good. Now, how many times has Hillary described the woke left, for instance, as full of anger and resentment, which they obviously are, like in spades? Piece by Adam Coleman came out. He's a, a black man. He says, a festering rot of racial animosity exists in our society that we willfully ignore socially and politically. It's a rot that eats away at the flesh of our civil society and spoils the greatness of our multicultural nation. This is about Clarence Thomas. Progressives continually tell us we have blinders on when it comes to racism in American society. They've shown their ideological solution of anti, I'm sorry, they've shoved their ideological solution of anti-racism to force us to deconstruct what they believe is an inherently deep-seated racist nation. I, as a black American, am supposed to rejoice in the presence of our self-appointed saviors, but I peeked behind the veil and saw who they really are. Understandably, detractors of the decision, the Roe v. Wade overturning, found themselves angry and anguished at last week's Supreme Court reversal. Six judges found it necessary to overturn. But just one has been elected the face of all political animus. Clarence Thomas, who didn't even write the court's opinion. With overwhelming anger seeping through their pores, Democrats only one viable target who would satisfy their rage. There was only one person for whom they felt comfortable exposing themselves by lifting the veil of their true hatred and indifference for black people. In a matter, in a matter of hours, Uncle Clarence was trending on Twitter, a reference to the racist pejorative Uncle Tom. I witnessed multiple conversations between white progressives questioning if Clarence knows he's black, chastising him for being married to a white woman, and even going so far as to feel completely comfortable calling him an N-bomb. Um, he always oh, says, don't believe me? Do a Twitter search yourself. How many times have we brought you stories uh, lately about a professor who, like, blanks out the N-word on a, a, a law school test about discrimination or racial uh, slurs or that sort of thing? And just for having that word just... Like, portrayed at all, he's supposed to lose his job and never teach another class, and is dragged in front of hearings and put on his knees in these struggle sessions for daring to utter the magical incantation. Well, not even utter it, but to have the first word of it in a bunch of dashes. So that's the woke left, unless it's somebody like anywhere close to them ideologically, then they ignore it completely. So if there are any of you who are left thinking, some of that energy is sincere. Well, th- those in power on the left are utterly insincere. Some of their their young uh, revolutionaries, their uh, Red Guard, the college kids, they believe this stuff sincerely because they're too dopey and naive to understand they're being manipulated and that their philosophy doesn't make any sense. But in terms of the powerful, their selective outrage is just insane. It's just inexcusable. So getting back to the whole N-bomb thing, just one example, writes uh, Mr. Coleman. Uh, One example, left-wing Canadian pollster John Corbett tweeted, Clarence Thomas, just another dumb field enner. Good Lord. Even more disappointing, many black progressive Democrats stood by and said nothing. I listened to a Twitter Spaces discussion in which a white man said verbatim, Clarence Thomas is a... N on a mostly black panel and no one said a thing why would they allow this without pushback because they aren't principled either 
White progressives feel emboldened to use racially inflammatory language like Uncle Tom and another word I'm not going to use on the air, folks, sorry, directed at black people who don't behave the way they feel is acceptable uh, or is acceptably black because black progressives allow it to happen. Samuel Jackson, for instance, the actor gave the racist bat signal to all of his white elitist progressive allies when he tweeted, how's Uncle Clarence feeling about overturning Loving versus Virginia? Today it's Uncle Clarence, but tomorrow it can be Uncle Samuel, and that's the point he's missing. You cannot claim to be pro-black while selectively caring about about which black person takes racial abuse. You cannot claim to be anti-racist if some racism is okay with you. You do not have to support Clarence Thomas's political positions to find something highly unconscionable about how the man has been treated based simply on his race. The veil has been lifted, and this is who they are. The progressive movement is a sham along with its boutique anti-racism ideology. The deep-seated hatred that progressives claim exists among the American public actually rots inside them, not us. While everyone else has had their fingers clamped firmly on their noses to avoid the stench, I've been smelling this rot spread through my old political party for years. I used to believe Democrats were the party of fairness, liberal values, and rationality, but they've allowed the rot to spread to all of their messaging and have willfully leaned into the stench. Instead of being repelled by the putrid smell of superficial identity politics, they've convinced themselves it's a perfume-like fragrance everyone should enjoy. They've allowed racist leftist ideologues to smell up the joint, forcing many black Americans like me to choose political homelessness over a home that reeks of immorality. This is not about Clarence Thomas. It's about addressing what is right and what is wrong. Thomas doesn't need my defense. He's a grown man can handle himself when labeled a misbehaving N-word. If you are okay with white people calling any black person that name, you're part of the rot. If you're okay with white people calling black people they disagree with politically Uncle Tom's, you're part of the rot. If you cannot smell the rot, it is because you are it. The veil has been lifted. This is who they are. Believe them. Adam Coleman's the author of Black Victim to Black Victor and a hell of a writer, too. Good stuff coming up next hour. If you can't hang around, grab the podcast Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. See new things. Try new things. Go back centuries while living in the moment. Forge new paths while discovering old ones. Pedal, paddle, and paint while trekking, tasting, and tailoring experiences that transform you into a better version of yourself. Immerse yourself in the world by activating your mind, your heart, and your body on a river cruise exclusively from Avalon Waterways. Save with limited time offers at AvalonWaterways.com. Avalon is cruising. Elevated.